0: Hi there, this is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's word and the ministry of the Spirit. Thank you, Minister Jalla. Thank you very much. God bless your heart. And Thank you, everyone, for the warm welcome. Can we just honor Jesus tonight? Let's glorify him. Let's love upon him. Let's thank him. I know we met just a couple of hours ago, uh, but we must never get tired of extolling him and loving him and giving him all the glory and all the honor. Um, If it's worth anything, that's pretty much all we're going to be doing for all eternity anyway, so we can as well just get familiar with worshiping him every waking moment, every passing moment. Let's, Let's just love upon Jesus. Genuinely, let's not do it out of the religious obligation because I'm saying, let's do that. No, let's do it because there's meaning to it. Every single time you say, bless you, Lord Jesus. I love you, Lord Jesus. I glorify you, Lord Jesus. You mean it from your heart. Everything in you is exalting him, is loving him. And uh, it blesses his heart whenever we bless him like that. When we love him, it blesses his heart. He feels feels it. He feels it. You see, because God is the one that really knows the intent of people's hearts. So he knows when something is heartfelt. He can tell. You can tell when something is beyond just lip service. You can tell when you're you're saying what is deeply meaningful to you, not just something that you're saying because everybody's saying it, everybody's mouthing it. This is not Christian news. This is you worshiping Jesus. He doesn't want your lips to be glorifying Him and being near to Him, but your heart is far from Him. He wants your hearts to be far, and He wants your lips to express the depth of gratitude that you have in your heart. So let's do that tonight. Let's just love Jesus. God has been so good. God has been so good. When I think about my own personal journey in God and how he has sustained me, it just shocks me every single time how he has sustained me in in his love, in the ministry, in the word, how he has kept me. And I think about his faithfulness in my life. I just think about myself. It's so, so, so incredible how much God has done for me, how he has helped me, how he has preserved me how he has continued to show himself in his word to me. Never would have imagined that I would be here today, you know, as that way back, you know, 2011. Never imagined that I'll still be doing this with the same level of intensity, perhaps even more passion and intensity now than I did when I started. I was listening to a teaching I did 2011, 2012, several years ago, just listening to it to, uh, about two weeks ago. And I'm like, wow such growth such such growth a lot has changed you know and i'm just grateful for his mercy and grateful for his mercy for his mercy each day and i'm sure we all have things to be grateful to god for so can you just tell him how grateful you are to him how how beautiful he has been to you how indispensable he has been to your growth and to your journey so far if not for his mercies you're a goner all right you'd have been gone for a long time you'd have been consumed a long time ago Thank God we did not give us as prey to their teeth. We are escaped as birds out of the snow of the fowler. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. We give you praise and we give you glory. Herodas would have killed you if she if she could have killed you. She would have killed you. All right, If Herodas could kill you, you would have been dead. But thank God God preserved you. God shielded you from Herodias, from Herod, from all kinds of foulers. But <laughs> well, we thank God that he has preserved us. He has kept us. No weapon formed against us has ever been able to prosper. None of them has been able to prosper. All right. Father, we thank you. We give you praise and we give you glory. As we share fellowship in your word tonight, we ask that everyone is blessed, certified, strengthened, and encouraged through the teaching of your word and administration of the Holy Spirit. We ask that our hearts are open to receive the penetrative word of God and it causes change and transformation to happen. Father, Lord, let no corrupt communication proceed out of my mouth without which is useful for edification, that i minister grace unto all the hearers, whether them who are currently here and listening to me live or anyone who's been listening by any other electronic means. So bless, I pray that God blesses every heart here with revelation knowledge, with light, with understanding, and with insights and instructions in righteousness. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed amen and amen and amen and amen hallelujah father we give you praise and we give you glory all right lessons from elijah <laughs> i'm feeling the, the need to send this Baba this teaching <laughs> elijah levels i mean there's so much about this man so much about this man Um, And I just want to encourage you to go back and listen or no, no. apart from listening to the teachings, which is already an instruction, but go back and read the story of Elijah. Just go and read it. That's how you prepare for teachings. All right. Remember what we taught, um, of course, not at a general level, but we taught this when I was doing a training for the leaders on Saturday last week. I taught for about six hours, incredible time in God's presence. One of the things that we took out of that is that... um, the measure with which you meet will be meted back to you. So that means the amount of time you spend in the Word, the amount of thought, the amount of consideration, the amount of you know, intentionality, the amount of time, the amount of energy you put into the things of God is the same thing the things of God will put back into your life. You can't get an Apostle Joshua Selman's revelation if you don't put an Apostle Joshua Selman's investment in the things of God. It's just how things work. We often admire the harvest of people without really considering their seeds. We admire their stories, we don't, uh, we admire their glories, but we don't consider their stories. We don't check the back end. We don't check what is spoiling all of that amazing things that we admire. So it's important that we understand that we, we pay attention to God's word. We invest time, we invest resources, we invest everything we know into the word. And then we'll get much more revelation from it. It will be so so abundant in the way it comes. Okay, so spend time. So, for example, if you're coming for Bible study, you think, how can I I get the best from Bible study? So you go to all of the passages of Scripture that talks about Elijah and just read it, just read it. Read it for reading's sake. Let the revelation come organically, but just read it so you prepare your heart, so that revelation can come at any time revelation wants to come. Just read it for understanding and for knowledge. By the time the teaching is going on, then some things can be sparked in your heart. In fact, there might be things that I did not say that you would hear. And there might be things that I wouldn't say here, and you may not even hear here, but it would be after the teaching that the Holy Spirit will just quicken a particular passage of that particular portion of Scripture in your heart. You know, I said that to say that, you know, over the week, my wife started reading, you know, the, the books around Elijah, and she shared something really profound. That I already left behind it's in first Kings 17 because we're going to first Kings 18 today. All right. And I thought that was really, really, really profound. I didn't see it. And I'm like, man, this this is so good. I, I hope you know she gets to share it at some point. Um, or I mean share it for her if, <laughs> if she doesn't share it. You know, but that, that really blessed my heart so much. So it, it helps when you're able to just go through the passage that especially when you know what is about to be taught. You know, there's nothing it's not like Sunday service where you don't know where I'm gonna come from. You don't you don't know where it <laughs> where you don't come from? You know me, I don't know. <laughs> but for Bible studies, at least we, we have a person we are considering. We have a character, so you can as well prepare in advance. Praise God. Hallelujah. Still together tonight. Please can you help me celebrate our pastors? Um it's it's been it's been how many years working with this incredible man of God, man and woman of God. It's been so, so, so delightful to just be in ministry with these ones. It's been so, such a blessing, such a huge blessing. Please help me celebrate our pastors. Uh, please shout out to Pastor Inca, who is currently, you uh, know, in Canada, having a cool time. Literally, <laughs> uh, praise God. Let's celebrate Pastor. Itura. Let's celebrate Pastor. Uh, Ay, let's celebrate Pastor Ayomide Aroele, let's celebrate our pastors, let's love upon them. They have been good stewards, good stewards of the manifold grace of God and the mysteries of God as well. They've been good stewards. And um, I'm happy to actually give that sort of recommendation and um, commendation of their work. They're been great, great and amiable stewards. So let's celebrate them. Hallelujah. Alright. Thank you, everyone. So let's just go straight into what God would have us share tonight. First Kings chapters, chapter 18. First Kings chapter 18. <laughs> oh, thank you, sweet Holy Spirit. The title of my teaching tonight is of fires and altars. Of fires and altars altars of fires and altars glory to god is there anybody here who elijah is your favorite character in scripture just identify yourself so we cannot avoid you uh because any moment you can rain fire down on us <laughs> anyone in the in the chat room who who has Who has Elijah as their favorite character? I think I missed out Pastor Nanso's name. Sincere so apologies. Please help me celebrate Pastor Nanso, the rabbi. Praise God. All right. First Kings chapter. 18. <laughs> he just says it, it depends. <laughs> ah, Rosemary, you love Elijah, but will you marry an Elijah? Mm? If, if there's no gas, you can just have you fry the plantain without needing to buy anything. If you love, is he your favorite character, you know, <laughs> or you just love him? All right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Alright, first Kings chapter 18, verse 1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. Now we need to, you know, understand how these things work. Uh but let me just go ahead, okay? Many days can be a number of months and many years. We we can't really tell. All right. Because many days, even though in context, we're talking about many days from when Elijah raised that boy, the, the widow's son, from the dead. So I imagine it's not many days from the time that, you know, he shot the heavens. It was many days after raising the boy from the dead. But many days can be a lot of things. Can be a lot of months. Can be a long time. We don't know that. All right. So just wanted to share that perspective. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came unto Elijah in the third year, saying, Go. Show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So the very first thing we need to learn from this particular portion of scripture is very, very powerful. It's the fact that God has commanded the rain. All right. God has commanded the rain. He said, I will send rain upon the earth. So God is telling Elijah, go and show yourself to Ahab because I'm about to send the rain upon the face of the earth. Now, the fact that God is going to send the rain upon the face of the earth does not exonerate Elijah from praying. It does not, all right, it does not tell Elijah that, you know what, I've got you covered. You don't need to pray anymore simply because I will send the rain and I'm all sovereign God. There's nothing that I want to do that I cannot do. And as true as that is, as far as God's sovereignty over the heavens is concerned, it is not quite like the same protocol on the face of the earth. He has given the earth to the sons of men. And the truth is this. If you will not pray some things to pass, even though God wants to do those things, they will not come to pass in your life. And I don't think we can overemphasize how important this particular principle is in the scheme of things. I quoted John Wesley last week how that he said that it seems like God will do nothing except to pray. It does appear that if we do not pray, if we do not put things in intercession, if we do not pray and make petition of heaven and make inquiries of God, it does appear that God just continues to wait and wait and wait. And then the moment you begin to pray, then it begins to work. And then he also said a little more to that. He said he said that God, all right, he said man can do nothing without God, but he says God will do nothing without man. That means God has chosen to be limited within the bounds of his his will, he has chosen to be limited within the boundaries of his principles He has chosen to be limited within the boundaries of his predeterminate counsel and so God cannot just choose to do anything except a man authorizes him, except a man permits him. Every intervention of God upon the face of the earth is at the behest of someone who is praying. God can do nothing except he reveals it to his servants, the prophets, until someone begins to speak, until someone begins to act, until someone begins to do, consistently, all right, consistently with the things that have been proclaimed in the corridors of heaven until someone begins to trap into the earthly realm, into the earthly dimension, the things that God has already perfected in the heavens, until someone begins to pray into reality, the things God has set forth in the corridors of heaven, God will seem like he's not existent upon the face of the earth. And this is something the Lord also showed me. He said, the devils, all right, don't have altar calls. Have you noticed? nobody volunteers for demonization you don't volunteer to accept a demon into your life you don't go and say you believe and you confess that this demon have permanent access into my body and then this place suddenly becomes a permanent residence all right, from this to today and forth you don't need to do that because demons don't work like that you see demons don't need your outright approval or permission to gain inroad into your life the reason is because you see if you are acting consistently with um traits habits and actions that are consistent with demonic activities. If you are doing things, all right, Bible talks about how that the devil is the prince of the power of the air. All right, they are everywhere in the air. They are there. So you don't you don't permit them to come into your life. You just begin to act consistently with things that are consistent with them. As you begin to act consistently with those things, you're already legalizing their inroad into your life. Adam and Eve did not volunteer the, the authority that God gave them to the devil. That's not how the devil works the devil not come and Reach to you and say acceptment to your life that's how God works that's not how the devil works the devil is very sneaky he doesn't come up front he comes through a way that you may not realize that you have already permitted him and you have already permitted him do you understand my point so prayerless is one of those ways that demons can come into your life do you see sin is one of those ways that demons can come into your life they don't need your outside authorization to gain inroad. they just need a loophole they are looking for a loophole they are looking for something that is broken they are looking for an edge that is broken so they will in and take space in that uh, in that arena. They'll, they'll, they'll then enter into that space and begin to work and commit their precious activities. Because they just need you to act consistently with an invitation. You don't need to tell them, come and enter. You just need to act consistent with a spirit that can then uh, um, amount to an invitation. So when a person begins to lie, alright, Bible says there is something called a lying spirit. So you begin to lie. You begin to lie. You think you're just lying to make your way ahead. To cheat and to, you know, move forward in life. But you see, what you have done is that you have been invited a in lying spirit. You have allowed a demonic activity to get enrolled into your life, okay? And so it's important that we understand how demons operate. Many of them that are demonically oppressed and possessed, they, they, they don't have a date for when these things happen. They don't have a date for it. They just realize that they, they see things, they hear things, they act in certain ways. They don't have a date for it because they didn't need to have a date for it. The devil didn't come through the front door. He just waited until you acted consistently enough with a kind of activity that was very consistent with demonic activities. And then they gained a permanent inroad into such a person's life. But when it comes to God, it's very upfront. So the fact that you are doing religious activities does not mean God is with you. If you never invited Jesus, he didn't come. It doesn't matter how religious the thing looks. You may be be doing good for people, all right, doing all those things so that who can see you. If you did not invite Jesus into that, he's not there. But the devil, man, if you do things consistent with him, he's there. He's there. He doesn't need an invitation. He is where things that are consistent with him are. He's there. But God, even when you're doing things that seem to be consistent with the things of God, if you don't invite him with a sincere heart, if you don't invite him with, with a true spirit, if you don't invite him with a broken spirit, if you don't use your mouth to authorize his inward into your life, he's not there. I'm telling you the truth. And it was a very powerful differentiation that I received just as I meditated on God's word. And it was like really, really powerful. Alright, so if God is the one that is delivered, you don't need to be delivered to the devil. <laughs> but with it's life is, for example, very good. You know, you don't need to do anything to, to get your room started. You don't need to. You don't need to do anything to disorganize the place. Just continue to live normally and the place will be scattered after a couple of hours. After a couple of days. But in order to make your room, you have to be deliberate. You've got to want it. You've got to look for it. You've got to search for it. You've got to ask for cleanliness. You've got to ask for godliness to find it. But for the devil, you don't need to look for him. Just do things that are consistent with the spirit and he's already there. (laughs) He's there. If you begin to talk to rules that are not consistent with the household of faith, the serpent has already come in, in there. He's already somewhere in the mixed multitude. So Eve was not talking to Adam, was not talking to God. Who was she talking to? It is the devil already. You don't need you, you understand my point. He didn't need to go and say, devil, where are you? I want to have a conversation with you. He just needed to not talk to Adam and to God. And he, she was already talking to the devil. That is how the devil works. That's how subtle he is. So when you are not organizing your life and being deliberate about it, the devil has already taken over that life. I can guarantee that. When you are no longer ordered, when you are no longer, you know, deliberate, the day is about to start, you don't know what you are about to do, you don't know the things you have in in store, you don't have a plan for the day, the devil has already entered into that day, he has already entered, because that's how it works, he doesn't need your permission to hijack anything from you, he doesn't, it is God that asks for your permission before he can take a place, so every day we need to get God, so we need to give God that permission. That's why we pray every day. This is because the permission of yesterday cannot suffice for today. You've got to pray every day. I wish that all of them will lift up only and pray everywhere without writing or doubting. Praise the name of the Lord, praise the name of Luke on, Man ought always to pray, not to think. You don't need to be, you don't need to decide to invite the devil into your life in order for him to have full access to that life. You just stop praying. He has already gotten his invitation. This is a very instructive word. Very instructive. Hallelujah. Now, back to Elijah. So you see that before God could do what he wanted to do. So if you read 1st Kings chapter 17. You would assume that Elijah just showed up because I mean, it was very dramatic the way he showed up before he had. He said, All right, Elijah the teacher just showed up before he had no greetings, no pleasantries, nothing. He just goes to heaven and said, By my word, it will not rain, all right, until I say otherwise, all right, as long as God rains on leaves and he the bikes, all right, so it will not rain. And he didn't even give a specific time and he just said that and left. You see, you see the dragado, you know, the girl, you know, the action movie and stuff. He just came and said, You would Im- imagine that this guy just decided one day that it's going to be so important and it's going to cause trouble in Israel. And just went ahead to tell Ahab that. By the way, the rain sold back up. All right. He tells us how the rain started in the first place because James chapter 5 gave us more detail about how this rain started. He said Elijah was a man of light passion. He said he prayed that it should not rain. So before he showed up in 17, he had prayed that it should not rain. However, even that prayer was not on the strength of the fact that he just wanted to pray that it should not rain. God must have told him that, you know what, I'm about to shut the heavens the same God told him about to send the rain so it's the same principle God had told him I'm about to shut the heavens over Israel so as to calibrate a process of repentance that you will then oversee and then need you to go to Ahab and tell him all this kind of stuff but God had told Ahab that he wanted to shut the heavens but that was not sufficient to shut the heavens there was a man that needed to pray as James already told us that this man then prayed that it should not rain even though God had told him that it will not rain so in the same vein, when it was about to rain it was not only and he let to just say, you know what, let me now just go and search the heavens. Or let me just go and open the heavens, the way I it. Almost as though he was the one that had the keys of heaven. No! God revealed his will to Elijah. and Elijah then break that will. Then the will came to pass. That's the process. So God, in the place of prayer, revealed to Elijah, what he wanted to do, then Elijah brings that thing into existence. So the fact that God had said in chapter 18 that I will send the rain did not exonerate, alright, did not excuse um, Elijah from his responsibility of praying. So guess what, it does not matter what the things the Lord has in store for you in the year 2024, it does not matter, I don't care what it is. God has written some things concerning the year 2024, but you will not even hear that he wants to do it. Neither would you, alright, be able to make it come to pass in this realm if you don't pray so your prayer is extremely powerful every single intervention you see upon the face of the earth is on the behest of a praying man is on the behest of the praying woman it is because a person somewhere, somehow is praying for that legitimate intervention upon the face of the earth God is not an intruder he comes through the door all the times it is the devil that comes through the back door through other means but god comes through the door and if you will come through the door it will come through the legal authority and occupant of that house and if you are the occupant of the house this is why god will knock even at the door of your own heart he has access to everywhere on the planet the earth is the lord and the fullness thereof the castle on the thousand hills silver and gold there is but when it comes to your heart he has to knock because he does not intrude he will knock and for as long as you don't open that door he stays outside he says outside, this is who God is. You must understand this. This is the purpose of prayer. This is why we pray. If you don't pray, you are not allowing him to do what he wants to do in your life. Only the proud will not pray. So this is why you must understand why it's important to pray. God reveals his will to Elijah. Then Elijah goes ahead to pray. Because it's not enough to just understand the will of God. You need to pray it into reality. You need to pray to pass. Hallelujah. It's somebody blessed already. So the fact that God has commanded the rain does not mean you don't have to pray down. God commanded it. God already willed it. God already proposed it. God already have made it available by grace. But your faith is you draw it down. And how you apply that faith is in the place of prayer. Hallelujah. Are we blessed? So let's move forward. So this is how we're going to be teaching tonight. Just go forward, check out some verses. And share some thoughts that the Holy Spirit has laid in my heart. And so you see First Kings, First Kings chapter 18. And Bible says, and Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab. And there was a sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. Look at that. Ahab is about the worst king Israel ever produced. Yet we have someone who was his governor. That is the ruler of his house. There was so much proximity with corruption, yet there was no contamination. And so for everybody who says, you know what, once you get into that place, the pressure will be too much, listen to me. If you don't fear God outside of the, of, the, of the palace, you will not fear God in the palace. If you crumbled inside the palace, you could have crumbled outside of it as well. If you fear God outside of the palace, you can stand straight with your back, all right, straight like a gun barrel, and stand against every vicissitude of corruption, even in the highest place of corruption. You can. So that ideology that, you know what, you see stuff, you see you, if you were there, you would do worse. I agree and I understand. When people act hastily and begin to judge people without understanding their context, they, they tend to be proud and they tend to be very misinformed and presumptuous. And then they cast as and they're hypocritical about stuff. But the truth is this, your standard can be your standard anywhere and everywhere. It doesn't matter who you are before. It doesn't matter who you serve. It doesn't matter whether you're in Babylon or you're in Israel. It doesn't matter whether you're in front of Ahab or you're in front of the Sanhedrin Council. It will just matter. Because you fear the Lord. There is nobody at least that is God upon the face of the earth. God is God and there is just one God. So if you fear him, you don't have any space for any other man. That place is already occupied by God. Do you understand my point? There was a man called Obadiah, he was the governor of the house of Ahab. Yet he did not, he was not a corrupt man. Yet he found a way to stay righteous and holy. He found a way to not change records. He found a way to stay righteous. God considered him as the man that feared him. So enough of the excuses that see the Nigeria is so corrupt. If you go into politics, there's no way you won't be corrupted. Look at Obadiah. Look at Daniel. These men served under perhaps the worst possible administrations and pagan administrations, and Babylonian systems ever, all right? Known to man. Yet God considered them to be righteous. God considered them to be holy. So that's the thing you learn about Obadiah. He was the governor by the house of Ahab, but he feared the Lord. No environment is strong enough to remove your fear for God if you truly had it in the first place. This idea that it is the level of corruption and government that is turning men into embezzlers it does not follow. It doesn't get worse than Ahab. Leaders don't get worse than Ahab. Corrupt people don't get worse than Ahab. Ahab liked your vineyard. He was going to buy it. He has to kill you. All right? That's how Ahab is. And if he does not believe her to do it, he has a wife that he has aligned with who is more sinister than him. That the things that he does not believe her to do, she has to her for two of them. To do things that he himself could not even imagine. That's how sinister that family is. And in that very space, there was someone called Prophet Obadiah. There was a prophet that had the book in scripture. There was a man that was strong enough to stand against the pressures of sin and corruption. So please do not give me that excuse that, oh, the corruption is too much. If you are sent into politics, go into politics with your head held so high, with your shield of faith, with your breastplate of righteousness, with your helmet of salvation, with your your, your feet some with the pressure of the gospel of peace, with your belt of truth, with your sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. All right, go there with understanding that, listen, there will be pressures that's exactly why you have been kicked up. That's exactly why God has given you an armor. It's not for jokes. It's said to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. He knows you are going into a dangerous zone. But he has equipped you so well for it. Don't think that the pressure on the outside is stronger than the pressure and the strength on your inside. Remember what Pastor Nelson shared with us on Monday? How that no matter how terrible the sin looks to be abounding, there is a much more abounding grace on your inside. There is no pressure coming from the outside, that the pressure coming from the inside of you cannot overtake, cannot overwhelm. Right, you need to understand this. You need to understand this. So, Obadiah, in the thick and thin of corruption, this man still found a way to raise the banner of righteousness high in the name of Jesus. He did that by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, it doesn't get worse than here. Yet, Obadiah feared the Lord under this leadership and cabinet. Very important. Now, as we're going to go along, verse 3 and he hath called Obadiah. which was the governor of his house, and Obadiah said, The Lord was three greatly, for it was so when Jezebel caught up the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took an hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land, unto all fountains of water, and unto all the brooks peradventure, we may find grass to save the horses and moose alive, that we lose not all the beasts. Imagine us. this is three and a half years after the famine. This is when Ahab's. Ahab flock are just feeling the heat think about it that means Ahab number one never felt the heat three and a half years into the famine then Ahab's flock started feeling the heat wow that means who are the wood that have been dying remember the widow of Ziophath could have died three and a half years ago are you still with me guys three and a half years ago after the group dried up let's say the the group took six months all right so three years ago at least the widow of Ziophath could have died if Elijah did not show up. Yet, three years after, after a poor peasant widow at the backside of Zarephath could have died, King Ahab is still looking for provisions for his cow, his goats, his you know, his pigs, his his ducks and stuff, his camels, his horses. He's looking he, because he's not looking for his own provision. He has strength. In fact, you know, he got on the horse and started looking for provision for them. <laughs> Over there, one went one way. All right, they have way. Maybe all the servants are dead, who knows? The servants who he probably was not paying minimum wage for them anymore, he could not afford it and all that. But at least he was, he survived, he survived, he survived, he survived. <laughs> I tell you the truth, when you are lukewarm, you become a victim of realities that are beyond your control. When you are lukewarm, you become a victim of realities that are beyond your control. The only saving grace is to be an Elijah it is it is it is a very dangerous strategy to just be you know a happy-go-lucky masses you know just to be counted among the masses you know we don't know what we will do if anything happens in nigeria now we are just the mekunos stop saying some things about yourself stop joining yourself with such a number and it's not because you don't have empathy for such people it is because for there to be any chance of survival for the mekunos quote-unquote there has to be people who can stand strong and say you know what there will be a lifting of us so that as we are being lifted up we can lift others up as well you can't afford to be part of the masses and still be the same person god will use to lift everybody else up it doesn't work like that you've got to have your head above the waters first before you can make anybody else survive so it's important that you understand this people have died some people were no longer in the household of ahab why would they be looking for, for, for grass for his horses ahab he's riding horses looking for people he's looking for things looking for things you will see it eventually so but the point i'm trying to make here is this have exalted the life of his camels and his horses above the life of human beings. So when you see corrupt politicians who exalt their cars, exalt their jets, exalt all right their medical trips, exalt traveling out multiple times in one month, exalt all those things above the life of the average individual in the nation, then you know what kind of leadership templates they are running. They are running the Ahabic template all right it is it is from ahab they learned it where the life of the people don't matter as long do you know that by this time jezebel still found a way to, of feeding over 450 people on from a table so there were 450 prophets of baal and there was another set of 400 prophets that jezebel was funding on her personal pockets <laughs> that jezebel was just <laughs> oh god we need to study jezebel all right, not for the right reasons, anyway. Uh, not, not because she's a, she's a great person, but because the level of authority and demonic possession, the kind of hold she had on the, on the polity was strange. She was not that imported all those prophets. They were her prophets, but now prophets. Well, let's, 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 let's just move along. But you understand my point here that Obadiah and Ahab, were now going to look for things for their camels and horses to survive on yes people were literally falling like dead flies in the land of israel and somehow the other ahab his primitive family all right his own nuclear family were fine over there by the strength of god was also finding a way to survive all right because he was not lukewarm all right because he was a prophet of god and so it's important that you cannot be lukewarm so this is not a year to be lukewarm this is not a year where you are wishing and praying for the prayer of your mother this is not that year oh please this is not that year if the prayer of your intercessor in heaven, Jesus, your high priest, the Holy Ghost, you stand by everything. Some of the other things are still managing to go bad. Do you really think your mother's prayer is sufficient to sustain you? Just you. The prayer of your mother, she has her own prayer to pray for herself. Then it's her own prayer that will be covering you. This is not a time you are dependent in the place of prayer. This is a, a time where people are dependent on you. In the place of prayer. This is the time where you are no longer lukewarm. If you are hot, let me know you are hot. If you are cold, let me know you are cold. But if you are lukewarm, I will steal you out of my mouth. Because if you are cold, I will send a hot person to come and convert you into being cold, into being hot. But if you are lukewarm, you, 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 you upset me, you irritate the system. You are like a confused person. The cold people are meeting you on their way and they are feeling that this is what hot looks like and they stay lukewarm. The hot people, as they are coming to go to cold, they are meeting you on their way and they are like, okay, maybe this is not so bad. We can as well stay here and still be somehow or the other in the kingdom of God. You are literally creating chaos within the system. Leave the middle. Let me know how to extremes. The hot and the cold. Stop creating a, a, a funny persona in the middle of the entire algorithm. Be hot this year. Chat somebody up in the chat room and say, be hot this year. Be hot this year. I know you say things about guys when, when they are very fine and say they are hot. But that's, no, that's not the kind of hot I need you to be. And you say, ladies, oh, girl, is hot. That's not the kind of hot you need to be, all right? Fly can still drop on that kind of hot. But there's no fly that can drop on this kind of hot. This kind of hot that is the fire of the Holy Ghost hot. Praise God. All right? So chat somebody up in the chat room and say, be hot this year. Be hot this year. Be hot this year. Don't be lukewarm. Be hot. Be hot this year. For so it was so when Jezebel caught off the prophets of, of the Lord that Obadiah took an hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And he said unto Obadiah, Go into the land and to all the fountains and water and all the brooks, for adventure we may find grass to save the horses and moose alive, that we lose not all the beasts. So they were only losing some of the beasts. They didn't want to lose all the beasts. But this was three and a half years after the famine had struck. So they divided the land between them to pass through. Ahab went one way by himself, and Abadiah went another way by himself. So he didn't have protocol officer, he didn't have anybody carrying a shield. He was just by himself because perhaps all the servants had done. Perhaps all the servants didn't have transport first to come to work. Perhaps there was just nothing, I mean, Abadiah <laughs> and Ahab are now the ones going to <laughs> Ah, not that mercy. And Abadiah went in the way. Behold, Elijah met him and he knew him and fell on his face and said, Are thou my Lord Elijah? And he said, I am. Go tell thy Lord, Behold, Elijah is here. I like, I like the personality of Elijah, honestly. This is the kind of personality we need to confront darkness. I'm telling you, God already showed us the template in, in scripture, and that's, that technology is Elijah. He has told us how to confront darkness. Listen to me. There were several prophets in Israel, there were several prophets. Oh, but that was the prophet. There were 100 prophets that were hiding in a cave. God also told him that he had, there were 7,000 other prophets that had not bowed in it to bow. Yet, it was only Elijah that did this kind of work. What happened? That means there is a type of persona that can confront darkness. You see, over there was working. That was the level of grace God giving. The kind of grace that he is a good man, is a good guy, he fears the Lord, but he cannot confront the people that he's working for. You see, there are some others at the lower level, they fear the Lord, alright? They, they, they don't eat on this vegetable, they have not bowed, they need to bow, alright? Yet, they are they are very wimpy. They are very non-confrontational. They they stay in caves. Alright? Eating bread and water offered to them by a certain Obadiah that was privileged in the, in the government house. So, there were hundreds of them and every day they they'll just be hoping for their bread and water. Hoping for bread and water. There are levels to this thing. There are levels to this prophetic grace. There are levels to this thing. There was a the level of those that were hiding in caves waiting for bread and water. There was another level of those that were supplying the bread and water to those that are in the caves. But there's another level that can confront the person that is the very source of all this dysfunction in the land his name is called Elijah there are not many of them in the land there are not many of them and if you have found yourself as an Elijah understand your mantle understand the protocol of your office you are not like Obadiah you are not like any of them in the cage listen we always blame Elijah for not getting encouraged by God how that oh uh, there are seven thousand prophets that have not bowed the need to bow there are hundred prophets told them that told him that were hiding in the cave Obadiah himself was a prophet where were they when he was killing all 450 prophets at the, at the mountain uh was it can't remember the name of the mountain I will get there eventually where were they where were they could he not as, as couldn't they have no step up at least as he was killing first one second one third one and they realized that if you say elijah don't win no oh. no go show love oh. no go show love and then go to the mountain and say hey, elijah we don't hear oh, you since so let <laughs> just because say you know the johnny fam don't John reach it, no nah, no nah, no nah. i then mean, bring that there make us start to the conference you understand they could have shown love at least like we call it in our and palace they could have gone up to that mountain to assist Elijah and stand for the God of Israel. Not one of them showed up. Yet you want Elijah to be encouraged by their absence and presence at the same time. I don't understand. They were really, they were absent by, they were, their presence was not felt because even if they were dead, they were alive. God knew where they were. But Elijah did not feel them. Ahab could not be confronted by them. So was the point of them? So with all the abundant supply of prophets in Israel, God still found a way to look for Elijah god still created the technology that only elijah could suit the bill elijah is a type of prophet he is not like every prophet out there it does not mean every prophet is a false prophet but there are prophets whose jd is to stand against unrighteousness they will stand against unrighteousness boldly, and they don't care whose ox is god they don't care who whose followers are affected they don't care who who doesn't like what they say they will say what the lord has put in their mouth to say I don't blame Elijah for saying he's the only one. I don't. Because if I told him that there are hundred of them, he ignored it. Because it's like, so wait, wait. You are, you are a prophet. You are hiding inside the cave. You are hiding inside the cave. Somebody is bringing you bread and water for three and a half years. And I've been here confronting Ahab. For three and a half years, God has been sustaining me because I know how to hear from God. You are being sustained by a dysfunctional need to even start with. Because it's still Ahab that is feeding you. Even though through the hands of a just man who happened to be the governor of the house. You guys are still part of the system because we will not speak. We've said this several times. So that means whilst Jezebel was importing prophets of Baal, importing all kinds of shrines into Israel, these prophets were there keeping quiet. Because any little threat, they've run into their kids. Any little threat, they have aligned. Any little threat, yes ma, yes sir, yes sir, yes ma. they collect an honorarium, come and pray for the governor in his office. Hey, God bless you. The, pro- the project is blessed. The project, is, don't worry. Everything is okay. Everything is okay. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> pay your title. Okay, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Oh, God forbid! Elijah was, that kind of a, was not that kind of prophet. It was not the kind of prophet you could buy over. It was not the kind of prophet you come and pay tight into his office or into his account and then he starts suddenly He He's not a private prayer contractor. That's what the kind of person Elijah is. Elijah is a type of prophet that is not common. Out of 7,100 prophets, you will find one Elijah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Out of 7,100 prophets, there is only one Elijah in that mix. See how God was trying to convince him to not leave. Because he couldn't work with any of the 7,100 of them. Why would God be insisting on Elijah if he had another alternative? Why? Why? Tell me. Why? I think we're too harsh on Elijah. Elijah did some incredible things for the sins of God. He did some incredible things for the kingdom. If Elijah not confronted Ahab, he stays unconfronted. Because none of the spines of this prophet could stand the pressure of the high places. None of their spines could stand it. So when he was hearing are several times, he's like, where are they? I can't see them. I'm on the mountain all by myself. I'm all by myself giving the decrees. I'm all by myself confronting Israel, confronting Baal, confronting Jezebel, confronting Ahab. All by myself. Yet I say I have prophets behind me. Where are they? Have you seen people in class? Eh? You say uh, all of us. So is all our idea. is our decision. is our idea. Then you now stand up on the day to present the idea before the, the lecturer. Then you raise up your hand. You start talking, and you hope to look back and see people standing with you and say, "Yes, we now go green. Oh, we now go green." Only for people to be writing their notes and just wondering what you are doing, standing up like, "Guys, stop disturbing our class. Can you just sit down? Let's get on with this class." And I'm like, ah, I ah, 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 do <laughs> We all agreed. <laughs> I thought we all agreed to confront this injustice. Why we can't be buying out for two thousand liars? What's the meaning of that? We can't, we don't agree. You, you... <laughs> Only you are rusticated, Only you. Because people don't have spine like that. When it comes to standing against unrighteousness, God doesn't hate them. There is a place for them in the caves. With bread and water, waiting and hoping for one man to give them bread and water. Such a miserable life. Rather die a prophet honorably than live like a womb, live like a weak, beggarly victim all your life. Can you stand tall and be counted? Be known for something. Have a, a strong audacity. Have conviction. Stand for something. Or you fall for everything. You can't be a kind of prophet that is waiting on a man to hand out caves. So what happens if Elijah doesn't show up? This is how they will survive all the rest of their lives. When are they going to leave the caves? When? When are they going to leave the caves and live their lives and confront unrighteousness? Like Micaiah, like Elijah, like John the Baptist. Speak against those that need to be spoken against because you might be the only witness they ever have alive. Because every other person, they brought them over. If you will speak against authority, you will be shocked how shocked the authority will be. Because nobody in all their 30-something years of reign has ever spoken the truth to them. It may shock you that some person have never heard the truth. It may shock you. You will think that there are pastors around them, but they don't. You will think that there are prophets around them, but they don't. You will think that there are 7,000 prophets in that Rock, but they don't have. It may just be one person like Elijah. And I hope that if you are that man, you will rise up and stand in the authority that God has placed you in and stop being a wimp, and stop being someone who can be bullied by, by promotion, by contracts, by all kinds of things. You can't be bought over. Elijah cannot be bought over. Yeah, no, it's is, is too late. Mm-hmm. We would rather be eating off a peasant fast widow than come and eat on the tables of Jezebel. Don't you think Jezebel would have given anything to have Elijah on a table? Don't you think it would, she would have given anything to have Elijah sit on that table? She would have given an arm and a leg, literally. Do you know the kind of bounty that was upon Elijah? There was a bounty on head. Anybody that saw him had a certain reward. And anybody that said, oh, I saw him, oh, but he didn't really see him. There was a value they were made to, to, to make. You see it here in Scripture. That was how important Elijah was. Because he was not a prophet that could be bought over. What kind of a prophet do you want to be? Can answer that question yourself and he said unto Ahab and all that. So they divided themselves and all that. And verse seven, and all. But went in one way, and behold, saw Elijah, and fell to his face, and he answered him and said, I am. I am tell thy Lord, that Elijah is here. Look at that. Elijah knew the address of Ahab because nobody told him where to go and meet Ahab when he wanted to cause the problem. In the first place. nobody told him to, you know, he didn't go tell uh, Ahab to, to go and call Ahab. He went to Ahab himself. So why didn't he go to Ahab? Because you need to understand how to engage powers. You need to understand it. You need to play your cards very properly. When you're the one with the leverage, you don't act like you're the one soliciting and looking for help. That's not how you position yourself in the scheme of things. When it comes to power play, you need to be, you need to be totally targeted. I, have, I mean, Elijah went as fast as over there, then he sat somewhere and said, go and call Ahab to come and see me. I'm the one with all the cards right now. If you ever want to see rain ever in your life again, you know you had better come and listen to, to Elijah and hear what he has to say. He didn't go running to hear but And <laughs> uh, this is, uh, I've come again. God has said he wants to send her. No, 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 no. He's the one in charge right now. And he needed to act consistently with the authority that he brokered. All right? And he said, what have I seen? That, that would deliver the servants in the end of Ahab. So even Obadiah was afraid of Ahab. Do you think Elijah was afraid of Ahab? No, think about it. He didn't even greet Ahab. He didn't even greet him. fine. May may, may men who, who have no other fear but the fear of God, may they rise in our generation. Men who have no other fear but the fear of God, may they rise in our generation. May they rise fiercely. May they rise with boldness. May they rise with audacity. May they rise. May they rise. Men who have no fear for man. Who have no fear for social media cancellation? Who have who have no fear for cancel culture? Who have no fear for any kind of woke agenda? Who have no fear whatsoever? The only fear they have is the fear of the Lord God Almighty, the Lord of hosts, the Jehovah Saboas. Whew, glory to Jesus! But nobody oh, was still afraid. You ah, want to deliver your servants into the hand of Ahab to slay me? As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom where the Lord has not, where my Lord has not sent for thee and when they said he is not there he took an oath of the kingdom and nation that they found thee not this was what he was making them do anybody that said oh he's not there he will make them make an oath so that in case they're lying they will die and now that's it go tell thy lord behold elijah is here and it shall come to pass as soon as i am gone from thee this is so this is just such a powerful parallel because you see this in john three, verse 8 Look, look at what look at what somebody said he said and shall i come to pass as soon as i'm gone away from thee the spirit of the lord shall carry thee with with her i know not <laughs> and so when i come and tell ahab and he cannot find thee he shall slay me but i thy servant fear the lord from my youth was it not told my lord what i did when jezebel slew the prophets of the lord how i hid an hundred men of the lord's prophet by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water before we go too far, look at look at what he said in verse 12. He said, And it shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from thee that the Spirit of the Lord shall carry thee whither I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I, thy servant, shall the Lord my youth. Look at that. He said, The Spirit of the Lord will carry him whither he knoweth not. This is not the first time we hear something like that concerning the Spirit of God. This is said also concerning the Spirit of God in John chapter 3. So we quickly go there very quickly. This is how you read scripture. When you see things that are parallels in other parts of scripture you quickly go there Especially when you can draw a parallel between the Old and New Testament. It's exciting John chapter 3 from verse 8 it says the wind bloweth where it listeth and thou hear the sound thereof and cannot tell where it cometh from and with that it goeth so is everyone that is born of the spirit. So um, Elijah gave us an idea of what a man born of the spirit is. He is like the wind. Where he goeth you do not know. Where it's coming from, you do not know. But you can feel his impact. Can you imagine that because of Elijah, you see, look at that. Elijah was literally the most important factor in the whole land of Israel. They literally made their entire national policy, national agenda, national budget about finding Elijah. So if you go, say you found Elijah, you are literally the most important person in the whole of the cabinet. Because Elijah had become the most important, valuable, the most essential human being in all of Israel. You couldn't know where he was because they were looking for every nation and king. said there's no nation or kingdom where they have not gone looking for Elijah. <laughs> they looked from him everywhere. He was in the house of the widow of Zephyr. Can you can't imagine? They looked for him everywhere. Wow. Everywhere they didn't find him. They didn't find him because he's a man of the spirit. Where he's going, you don't know. Where he's coming from, you don't know. But his impact cannot be denied. His impact is felt. His impact cannot be denied. Israel is still feeling his impact. Three and a half years since he made the last statement. We are still under the yoke of that statement. We cannot bear it anymore. This is the man we are talking about, Elijah. He spoke a word and heaven made it stand fast. Heaven. Heaven made it stand fast. Because this was the man that was born of the Spirit. He was carried on the wings of grace. carried by the wings of the Spirit. What does it mean when the Lord read, when you are a man of the spirit, it means you are light. It means that there is no much from you. There is no much with you. There is no weight around you. Remember Hebrews 12 says that looking unto Jesus also on the finishing of our face, it talks about how that we should lay aside every sin and every and the and the weight that are so easily beset. He said laying aside every weight and the sin that so easily beset, looking unto Jesus the up on the finish of our face. To so the degree that we are light, is to that degree that the wind can carry us wherever it wants. He says, the, the wind blew it where it listeth. What that means is that the wind blew it wherever it wants. That means it is not Elijah that determines where it goes. It is the wind, the Holy Ghost. It is the Holy Ghost that determines the direction of Elijah. You see, in this generation, we do all the permutations, we do all the calculations, we do all the predictions and the you know formatting and evaluations and all that before we make a decision. Remember, like I said at the prayer meeting this evening, that there is a level of irrationality you must succumb to. There is a level of humility that is required to enter into the wisdom of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So when it comes to walking with the Spirit, it is not your, is not your idea, you know, like the very popular statement that Pastor Mwariolu said that the Holy Spirit is speaking. You are saying you have an idea. I don't understand. Which idea do you have? Which idea, really? The Holy Ghost is moving. You say, well, I have a suggestion. You listen, you are allowing carry you. And he says, the reason why you will be weighty, the reason why he cannot carry you is because there is sin in your life. It's because there is a weight that easily besets. There is something you are spending too much time with. He can't carry you anymore. There is too much worldly content inside you. So as he carried you, you became too weighty. Isn't that symbolic of our resurrection will happen? There will be a lifting. Some people will be too weighty to be carried you have better remove every weight and every sin that easily besets. So that by the time the wind of grace is blowing, you can be easily carried. Bible talks about how the Obadiah witness to the spiritual nature of Elijah. That, listen, if I go, if I leave you for a moment, we don't know where the Holy Ghost will take you to. I can't leave you, sir, except you make an oath for me. I can't just leave you and go. Because we've been looking for you all these years. We didn't find you. Now that you have come and presented yourself, I will not go and tell that I saw you. Whereas, I will come back to the same spot, to look for you, just check under the gutter. You know where you're looking for something you can't... <laughs> And you look for inside notes to look for Elijah. And you, you don't find him, then Elijah, then have gets angry and kills, kills Obadiah, and Obadiah is afraid for his life. He said, Please don't do this. And Elijah assured him and said, Don't worry. He didn't make him not following to him and said, Let's go, let's go and be here. No, he still tried to maintain that authority. He said, Don't worry, I, I will be here as long as I live. All right. He made a statement that gave Obadiah some measure of confidence. All right. And um Verse 13. So that's just to say that Elijah was a man born of the Spirit. So if you read the story of Elijah, you see a man that was carried by the wings of the Spirit. And that's a man to be like. A man that is so bold in the things of God. A man that is carried by the Spirit. So powerful. So powerful. Was it not told my Lord that what I did when Jezebel slew the prophet of the Lord, how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophet by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water, and now... Thou sayest, go tell thy Lord, Behold, Elijah is here, and he shall And Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts liveth, behold, before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. All right? It was almost as though Elijah didn't acknowledge what Obadiah said. You know, sometimes we have an exaggerated perception of our contribution to the to the things of God and in the scheme of things. Maybe, and this is just me extrapolating, okay? But maybe Obadiah had an exaggerated perception of his contribution. The only reason why he has been paying attention to what Elijah has to say is because Elijah came in the spirit and power that he came in. If he had come as you know a weak prophet who could be bought over by Jezebel, or at best, be silent. If, If you are not going to join Jezebel, then just be quiet. Don't say anything on social media. Don't do anything. Just be quiet. Don't cause any trouble. Then I'll let you leave. If that's the kind of prophet that Elijah was, none of these things would have happened. None of the prophets would have been killed. None of the prophets of Baal would have been killed. So that level of docile attitude to the things of God, docile, very docile about things of God, docile about things of the world, but also docile about things of God, you are not counted for anything. The devil does not see you as a partner, God does not see you as a partner, you are just disturbing both entities. What are you really? Like I said about being lukewarm, what are you? And so maybe Obadiah had a very exaggerated perception, it's not enough to preserve the prophet. How long are you going to preserve them for? If you not stand against unrighteousness, for how long exactly are you going to keep preserving them for? How long? How long are you going to keep allowing the error to perpetuate and do nothing about it? Elijah looked at him and said, okay, so that's, your, that's what you can say. Okay, that's fine. And he moved on and he said, don't worry, I'll see Ahab. That's the person I a business with. So, but I went to meet Ahab and told him Ahab went to meet Elijah. So, it was Ahab that went to meet Elijah. See power. Hey! Ahab said, okay, I'm coming. Hey, Elijah, please. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. <laughs> he went to dress up. He followed over there. Easier. And then, and it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, and Ahab said unto him, I doubt he is a troubled Israel. Because, listen, one of the biggest things about all right dictators and manipulative leaders is that they are very manipulative. All right, leaders that are not of God are very manipulative. That's the first thing you see. They project, they, he's projecting on Elijah that he is the problem of Israel. Whereas Ahab is the problem of Israel. He said, no, so, no it's, it's, you. It's, actually you. it's actually the church. It's actually people. It's actually everybody else but them. Are you here that troubles Israel? He's trying to change the narrative. So you've got to be careful about media and the propaganda that is being spread. All right? Media can make you believe that the, the saint is the, is, the, is the culprit and is the victim and is the villain. All right? The media can make you think so. Imagine if Israel... Or is televising this meeting between Elijah and Ahab. All right. That is how, you know, Ahab would have just made Elijah the problem of Israel. Whereas Ahab is the problem of Israel. But look at what Ahab said. Ahab said, Are thou he that troubleth Israel? No! Elijah did not come to trouble Israel. He came to restore Israel. He came to trouble you and your family. But they will manipulate things. It's not me, it's you. I, it's not because you know I just have things to sort out in my life. You are not a noble man, that's why. Why do you want to break the young lady's heart? After telling her that she's the one you will marry, then after after taking everything that you like from her, and you know taking her virginity and all that, you now come and say it's not me. It's you. I don't understand. What's the, what's the of? It's not me. It's, you. it's not me. It's you. I don't get it. Who is breaking up? You say it's not me. It's you. Or oh, or oh, it's not you, it's me. Yeah, okay, it's, it's not you, it's me. Yes, that's the, that's the, <laughs> that's the phrase. It's not you, it's me. <laughs> Everyone wants to become manipulated. That's what they say. They are no longer straightforward. They can't be straightforward to to save their lives. Praise the name of the Lord. I hope you can still hear me. They just took light over here. Praise God. <laughs> it is well. It's part of what we're talking about about leadership. Hmm? Even in other African countries, they have uninterrupted power supply. (sighs) This year, we we need to be very serious about leadership. It's very important. Very, very important. Are we still together, everyone? Oh, Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you praise. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, thank you for the confirmations here and there. All right, so let's move quickly. We have, say, about 10 minutes. I shouldn't go beyond 9.15 today. Wherever I leave off, I will come back from there next week by the grace of God. And so we see here, all right, um, Elijah responds to Ahab very categorically and says, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou followed baalim that's Baal, now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel. Yes, that was the mountain I was trying to remember. Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 450 and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So there was 450 prophets of Baal and there was 400 prophets that ate daily on Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the pro- people and said, How long shall you halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord. Elijah had over there. I believe he said this directly to attack the conscience of the prophets that may be hearing him but have chosen to say nothing over all these years. What kind of, what kind of a prophet are you? If there is iniquity in the land, there's unrighteousness in the land. All you are looking for is bread and water inside a cave. What kind of a prophet is that? That's the prophet that has lost his office. That's the prophet that cannot even prophesy. What, what use are you if you cannot speak to power? What did God tell every prophet in scripture? Go and talk to them. Don't be afraid of their fists. Yet we find those who are afraid to die. Even Obadiah was already afraid to die. But there is a man called Elijah. He's not afraid. He's not afraid of He He's not afraid of Nebuchadnezzar. He's not afraid of Darius. He's not afraid. He's not afraid of me He's not afraid. He's not afraid. Ah, he's not afraid. Hey. Lord, receive fresh fire, fresh boldness from the throne of grace. Boldness to confront sin, to confront iniquity, to confront unrighteousness, and to broker peace, to broker prosperity, to broker progress in the name of jesus to broker justice righteousness equity in the earth to broker all these things that makes god happy all right all these things that make god happy lord we we, we receive that boldness we receive that boldness in the name of jesus then said elijah unto the people i even i only remain a prophet of the lord If you are not going to be a prophet that will speak, you are no longer a prophet at all. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on the wood and put no fire under. And call ye on the Lord on the name of your gods. And I will call on the name of the Lord and the God that answered by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. What I want to share here is this. There is a level of confrontation where only results can create demarcation. What I mean by that is that there is a level of boldness you will show. You will create some types of algorithm in the realm of the spirit. You will create a show for God. And God will be like, wow, this is exciting. I will show myself. We, We are not told that it was God that gave him this particular algorithm, this particular sacrifice to make. But he moves. Alright? Looks like my network is getting poor. Can we still hear me? Okay. I'm still fine. Can you hear me? Amen? Okay, good. Thank you, Toby. Alright? There is a level of demarcation you cannot make between righteousness and unrighteousness without results. If the result you have is not superior, nobody listens. Nobody listens. So there is a level of result we must look for this year that will shut the mouth of the prophet of Baal. So if it is the result you are looking for, I have it. Now, this result is not just because I want to make mouth. It is because I want to show you who is God in this land. The same thing that happened to Daniel, he said, don't worry, let us eat pulse. Let us eat vegetables for the next 10 days. Just give us this one. See what happens. Look at the measurements. He said 10 times better than all their contemporaries. And not just 10 times better than all their contemporaries, all the astrologers. That means the teachers of their contemporaries, they were 10 times better than them. Look at the results. The result was defining. Look at Joseph. He created tangible results with the spirit of grace. <clears throat> so it's not enough to just say eh, the spirit of God in me. You cannot just see it. If you use stethoscope, if you use microscope, you will probably see it. But it's inside my heart. Let us see it. Let us see. Let us see the tangible manifestation of the spirit of God inside of you. Are there things you will create that people will be like, wow. People will be like, well, Elon Musk will be like, Wow. This one, mm-hmm, I never see, I never see. I never see this kind of one before. Remember what you know, Pastor Cordy shared at back about what uh, Kenneth Copeland said, about how God can continue to hold back and hold back, waiting for his people to take these ideas, but they wouldn't. And then he had to give it to people that were just available in the world. My point is this, there will be a dispensation that only results will demarcate those that follow God and those that don't. Because that is the only language that the world understands. You won't teach exigences and doctrine to the world and expect them to understand that god is god it is only by carnal results that they can understand and so on that level you god can win so it's not only on the level of doctrine and gospel and only church stuff say let's let's talk bible they don't care about your bible well, let's talk economic empowerment uh-huh. yes we can talk economic empowerment yes we can talk about innovation and you know uh Uh, digitalization, we can talk about all kinds of things, industrialization, we can talk about improving the GDP of Nigeria, we can talk about changing the narrative for Nigeria in the international uh, space, we can talk about improving the economic situation in Nigeria, we can talk about all kinds of things. If we talk about it on that realm, I hope... Sorry, one second. I hope you will still win, I hope your God will not be embarrassed. I hope the God you say is God. I hope the God you call God will not be embarrassed. If you subject things to real results, canal metrics, the God you call God, will He not be embarrassed? You need to you need to ask yourself that question. Very important question. Very important question. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, glory to God. Call on your God. And I will call on mine. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophet of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves. All right? Dress it first, for you are many. And call on the name of the gods, but put no fire under. Okay? If I start first, this show will end too early. I need to make mockery of your God. Listen. When things that are righteous begin to fester, One of the tools that God has created for us to use to destroy the power of evil is mockery. It's mockery. And you need to understand what I'm saying. We love people and all that, but we we mock iniquity. Like, it doesn't make sense. Say it doesn't make sense. Don't be too politically correct about things. If something doesn't make sense, you are clear about it. This doesn't make sense. To explain it logically, let people see the foolishness in what they are saying. You mock it. Because the devil cannot stand to be mocked. He can't stand to be in derision. He can't stand it. Look at what God does when people try to usurp him. When the princes of the world began to try to usurp the Lord and his anointed and then God. said, he that sits in the heaven shall laugh. They gather and say, hey, we're going to unseat Jesus Christ. We're going to unseat the church. We're going to remove all the pastors from the land. <laughs> he that sits in the heaven shall laugh sits in the heaven does not call a meeting he that sits in the heaven does not try to see how ah, how are we going to do this now no he that sits in the heaven shall laugh mockery is a weapon is a weapon and sometimes you should know when to mock the devil you should know they bring a report and evil reports to your doorstep and it is not your report sometimes to go and praise is is an unbelief it's a sign of unbelief sometimes all you need to just do is to mock it, mock it. just laugh at it <laughs> this one. You'd have been defeated 2,000 years ago. You are now coming and saying, <laughs> the last day that is, is still wagging. You know when you kill the you know, worm and he's dead, but it still, he's like the body of sin, he's still wagging his tail. Wagging his tail. He's dead, but he's still wagging his tail. Then he finds one way of showing that wag tail to you and say, I'm still alive. You laugh, you have been dead since. I post more salt now, you finish. You are dead. So just understand that. And so sometimes what you need to do is to mock the devil. We're going to stop here today because it's a long it's a long ride. Um, I don't want to just drag it on because there's so much God is sharing through the man light. I hope you've been blessed tonight. I hope you've been blessed. And I want you to listen to this teaching again prayer for me. And ask yourself, God, how have I been like those prophets in the cave? How have I been like those weak people who, yes, they call themselves prophets. They're Christians, but nobody knows about them. They're in caves. Are you a Christian and you're in a cave? Nobody knows you're a Christian. Your status does not know you're a Christian. Your IG doesn't know you're a Christian. All right? And you listen to people who mock Christianity and you're fine with it. You listen to people who say to be a Christian is not trendy and you're okay with it. And you laugh at them. You you comment on their posts. You're a Christian in a cave. You won't make any difference. I'm sorry. You can't make a difference from the cave. You need to step out. You need to go to the powers and confront the authorities of darkness. Enough of hiding in the cave. Enough. This year is the year of his fragrance. What point is it, all right, spraying a perfume in a vacuum? There's no point. You never get out. Go out there. Let that thing spread. Let people know what you carry. Make a declaration. Make a decree. Say something. Put yourself in trouble and see whether God will not take you out of it. Put yourself in trouble and see if God will not rescue you. You It doesn't matter how Paul was spreading all all the gospel. Put himself in trouble, they will carry arrest him he'll preach there, he'll preach there, he'll preach there. He must, <laughs> from one trouble to the other, but he was just fulfilling the bandit of God everywhere he went. But out of fear, some people have stayed in Jerusalem, they will not even as dare as eat with the Gentiles. Out of fear. Out of fear. Don't be afraid of darkness. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Greater is he that is in you than he, is he that is in the world. So you are more than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror. You are more, you are more, you are more. You are more. Believe it with all your heart. There is something from Elijah we need to know. Something powerful from Elijah. So the next time you're reading about Elijah, read it prayerfully. Next time i are listening to this teaching, listen to it prayerfully and receive that same grace in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for tonight. We ask that we start listening to this truth and in all righteousness. In Jesus' precious name we have prayed. Amen and amen. God bless your hearts. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at PowerPoint Tribe.